Welcome to Lakeshore Christian Church's Midweek Video Podcast. I'm Pastor Randy Cordell. We're coming to you live from our studio at our Antioch campus here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Just hit that subscription button. Uh, You may want to hit that notification bell as well. You get notified each time a new episode is posted. We come to you live at noon on Wednesdays, but once it's posted, you can listen to it or watch it anytime after that on most popular podcast platforms. Each week on the podcast, we are taking some time with the message series that we're doing here at Lakeshore at the time. Uh, We introduced a new series this past Sunday, and then we also preview the upcoming message, the next one in the series uh, that's coming up. Uh, The new series we started this past Sunday is called Empowered by the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're looking at what happens when the Holy Spirit empowers the individual believer. We're going to be looking in the book of Acts, and we're going to trace some Christian leaders who were filled with the Holy Spirit and how that affected their life and ministry and impact for Christ. I began with uh, going back to the very beginning, really, of the history of the New Testament church. It's recorded for us in the book of Acts, of course. And in Acts chapter 2, we have that record of the apostles waiting in Jerusalem. Jesus had ascended back to the Father after his resurrection. He told them to wait there until they received the power that he was going to send them. And in Acts 2, we see that they receive that power. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and it attracts a crowd uh, that's there for the feast in Jerusalem. And Peter rises up from the other apostles and begins to be the main speaker that day. And he preaches what is truly the first gospel message because the gospel was all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now that that has happened, Peter is presenting that message to the crowd that's assembled there that day. You could go back and read more of the message in in Acts 2 there, but he finishes up the message by saying that uh, this Jesus that they had crucified, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, both Lord and Messiah, ruler and Savior. And it says when the people heard this message, they, they really listened to Peter They asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? That's an important question, isn't it? When you realize your sin, when you realize you've separated yourself from God uh, because of your sin and you need help and you need salvation, what do you do about that? Well, Peter gave them a very simple, straightforward answer. He replied in Acts 2, verses 38 and 39. He said this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to stop there for a moment because he he starts out by telling them to do two things, to repent and be baptized. And of course, if someone is wanting to know what to do to be saved, it depends on where they're at on what answer you give them. Do they already believe? Do they already know about Jesus or not? These people have just heard the message about Jesus. They're so convicted by it that they're asking what they need to do. So Peter didn't have to start with, Well, first you need to know about Jesus and believe in him. They already did that. So he starts with where they're at now and what they need to do now. Repent means to turn around and go a different direction. At its root, at its core, it means to turn, to change. And they're being called on to repent, to turn from their sin and turn toward to God and what God wants for them in Christ. Then he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So every one of them is commanded to do the same thing. Repent, turn from your sin, and be baptized. The word translated baptized is actually a uh, a transliteration of the word baptizo. It means 
to be immersed or be, to be dipped under the water. Uh, here at Lake Shore, we baptize by immersion only. Uh, that's a form of baptism that was used by the church in the New Testament. It's what the word really means. And so that's the way we practice baptism. And everyone is commanded to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which means by the authority of Jesus Christ. Baptism is not done by the authority of the pastor or the church or the church leaders. It's by the authority of Jesus Christ himself. He's the one that we're being baptized into, that we're being united with in baptism, into his death, burial, and resurrection, it says in Romans 6. So we're joining with Christ in the, in the sacrifice and the work that he's already done for our salvation when we get baptized into Christ. So we're being baptized in the name of Jesus by his authority for what reason? For the forgiveness of your sins. That's what we need, right? That's what separated us from God. That's why we need what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's why we need to have his blood applied to us. And it's in baptism that we are united with him in that work that he's done on the cross for us. He says, when we do that, it's for the forgiveness of sins. And he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So God says that when we respond in faith to his call in our lives by placing our faith in Christ, repenting of our sins, being baptized into Christ, he gives us the Holy Spirit himself as a gift to come and indwell us. And in verse 39, he adds this as he's challenging those people to follow through with the steps they need to take. He said, the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So this promise still stands today. And that's why I wanted to start with this verse, because everything we talk about moving forward and in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, being empowered by him, is dependent upon us becoming followers of Jesus, being baptized into Christ, and receiving that gift of the Holy Spirit to come and indwell us. Then we can move forward in life empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life God has called us to live. Well, with that in mind, we... We looked at Acts chapter 6 with one of those people that is empowered by the Holy Spirit named Stephen. Uh, Stephen is often known or referred to today as the first Christian martyr, and that's part of what we talked about, how the Holy Spirit empowered Stephen uh, and deepened his character as he began working on Stephen and leading him in that walk with Christ. And we can all be deepened in our characters by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, how did that affect Stephen? Well, we look, first of all, in Acts 6, the first few verses there, we see that Stephen was one of those that was given a heart to serve wisely. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a heart of service, and not only to serve, but to serve with the great wisdom. There was a problem that had arisen in the early church. Uh, anytime the you have a church that's growing and active and functioning, there will be challenges that have to be dealt with. And that was happening to the church in those days. It says in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, the number of disciples was increasing. And it was primarily uh, Jewish at that time, a Jewish population that was making up the church. Those who came from Judaism converted to Christianity. They believed Jesus was their Messiah, and they decided to follow him. And what was happening was there were some different groups of Jews within the church that were at odds with each other over a ministry that needed to be taken care of. There were the Hellenistic Jews uh, who were complaining against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. 
early on in the life of the church, they're facing hardships and challenges. And one of those challenges was that when many of these Jews converted to Christianity, uh, they would be cut off from their families who didn't become Christians. They would oftentimes lose jobs, lose family support. Uh, they would lose. Uh, they would face challenges of persecution from Jewish leaders, and uh, persecution from Rome was beginning to rise up as well. So the widows at that time were really put in a bad place of need because oftentimes now they didn't have their families to depend on to help them. And they didn't have, and that uh, social structure there at that time and their culture, they didn't have like government programs to help widows. They didn't have social security or, or welfare or, or any of those things to programs that the government provided. So they were totally dependent on others helping to provide for their needs. And the church was stepping up and trying to do that in the best way they could. But the church was getting so large and there were so many needs that it was inevitable that some things would fall through the cracks. So they decided to choose some people to make sure this ministry was being taken care of and no one was being neglected and they had the food that they need. And uh, they decided to choose from among them, it says in Scripture, some men to meet that need. Uh, the, the 12 apostles gathered the disciples together they said, this is not something we need to be doing. We've got to take care of what God has called us to do. So you choose some men who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And he said that we'll turn that responsibility over to them. And Stephen was one of those men that was chosen. It was said of him that he was one of those men that was full of the Holy Spirit. He was being led and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. So he had the Holy Spirit who gave him the wisdom that he needed, along with six other men, they chose seven, to take care of this, this ministry within the church. Uh, being full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom was going to be essential for this kind of service because he would need wisdom to, uh, to make sure that distribution of food to the elderly widows was being done well in this large of a church setting. It took wisdom to evaluate the needs and to bring about unity between the different nationalities that were at odds with each other. And it would take wisdom to organize a distribution program that would be equitable and fair and efficient uh, in meeting the needs, uh, the food needs of those that were facing food insecurities as widows. And so we read that in verse 7 of Acts chapter 6, the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. In other words, the plan worked well, and the church continued to grow and prosper, and the needs were being met like they needed to be. So Stephen was shown to have wisdom because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He also had the courage as his life went on and challenges he faced. He had the courage to witness boldly for Christ. Stephen's character was deepening. His, his circle of influence was growing larger and larger. In chapter 6 and verse 8, it says this about Stephen. He was a man full of God's grace and power. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But listen to this, verse 10. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. His preaching, his teaching was so persuasive 
that it was stirring people up. And, and they, they tried to argue with him, but by the Holy Spirit's presence and power and provision of wisdom, he was able to answer their charges. He was able to answer their arguments in a good way, and they could not stand up against him with the arguments that they tried to bring. That's part of what the Holy Spirit can do for us. He can deepen our character to the point that we can be a bolder witness for Christ. We can have confidence not because of who we are, but because of his spirit in us. In our culture today, more and more, our faith is being challenged by those who maybe don't believe or or think we shouldn't be uh, speaking out or promoting our faith the way God calls on us to do. And so we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to be that witness in that kind of environment where it may be harder to do so. Like a student who speaks up in the classroom, even against some things that the teacher might be saying because they don't line up with his faith and his belief in Scripture. Or maybe the, uh, the, the spouse that is being challenged not to honor their marriage vows. In the culture we live in, sometimes they don't support marriage and marriage vows the way they that God calls on us to. So you have to be willing to, with the help of the Spirit, uh, take that stand that you need to take. And maybe as a single adult and facing the culture that we face today to, to be pure and holy and, and wait for marriage, for, for the intimacy that God calls for in marriage, it, it's a challenge to do that. And it's certainly not easy to do in the flesh. So we need a power greater than ourselves. And the Holy Spirit is there for us. That's God's gift to us is His Spirit to indwell us and empower us. Well, finally, we saw how Stephen was even deepened in character by the Spirit to the point that he had the assurance to face death with confidence. Uh, We are all going to die if Jesus doesn't come back first. We're all going to face that. Everybody we love and care about is going to face that. So it's important to know that there's a way for us to go on with life with that knowledge, with that understanding, and not have to have fear of what's going to happen. Stephen was... Uh, as he continued his witnessing, we was in very dangerous territory. Other disciples had already been arrested, flogged, and they were warned not to speak anymore about Jesus. And Stephen had disobeyed the Sanhedrin's directive, and the authorities were really upset with him because he continued to preach and teach about Jesus. They were so agitated that they dragged him before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court, for questioning. And they even uh, got some people to give false testimony against Stephen, very much like what they had done with Jesus when they, they brought him and put him on trial. And they made false accusations about Stephen's preaching and his teaching. It says in verse 15 that uh, while they were making those false accusations, all that were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. It's amazing to me that in that setting, being falsely accused, Uh, standing before a court totally innocent of any wrongdoing, really, in the eyes of God. But in their eyes, they were angry with him for what he was doing, and they were just throwing everything at him that they could. And in that setting, it would be tempting to draw back and not be so bold, maybe to compromise your beliefs and and, and say to the court, you know, I'm so sorry, I I won't do that anymore. But instead... uh, the other option might have been, well, to get really angry and, uh, and to yell at them because they were yelling at him and he could yell back and, and, and accuse them of what they're doing and false witnesses against him and all of that. But instead of doing any of that, when they saw his face, it says it was like the face of an angel. He kept his composure. He had a, a wonderful presence there in front of that 
uh, accusing crowd that was attacking him, and, and they couldn't help but notice his countenance was so different than theirs. And then in, verse, uh, in chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, The high priest asked Stephen, Are these charges true? I want you to go back and read Stephen's response to that. It is truly uh, an excellent condensed version of Jewish history that Stephen begins to teach there. He wasn't trying to undermine the Jewish religion. He was, he was simply telling about Jesus who fulfilled the scripture promise of a coming Messiah. Well, even though he did an excellent job presenting that, there were members of the Sanhedrin that just, uh, they were furious. And uh, they decided that Stephen needed to be stopped. Uh, and they, they decided that he was going to be stoned. And so they dragged him out and they picked up the rocks and they began to stone him. Uh, and that's how he became the first Christian martyr. But it's amazing that even while they were stoning him, in verse 59, it says, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold these, this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Even through that process, he had no fear of death. He felt confident in what he was doing, that he was doing what God had called him to do. One of the great things I, I, I failed to mention this past Sunday, I just wanted to call your attention to as you go back and read this yourself. Look at verse 56. As they were, uh, as they were really furious against him and yelling and screaming at him, in verse 56 he says, Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Uh, that's what got them even more upset when they decided to stone him. The Son of Man was a term that Jesus had used for himself. And he's saying, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, the, the, the distinction here that is really interesting to me is he saw Jesus standing. In every other passage, when you have this scene of Jesus with, with the Father, it says he's seated at the right hand of the throne. And in this case, he's standing. It's like he's standing up for Stephen and what Stephen is facing, what Stephen is going through. He wants Stephen to know he's there for him. He's, he's got him. He's taking care of him no matter what happens here. And that's what gives Stephen such confidence. When the Holy Spirit empowers us and deepens our character to the point we can face arguments, we can face opposition, we can face threats, imprisonment, even death itself. Now I hope and pray we don't have to face all of those things, but we all will have to face death and opposition along the way in our lives. So we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 11 is a great reminder for us. It says, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. What a great reassurance as Christ followers. Well, next week we're going to be looking at another example of um, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as we look at the story in Acts chapter 8 of how we need to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, this is where Philip is led by the Spirit to uh, in this encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, where he's led by the Spirit to go up to his chariot and engage in conversation with him about the Scripture that he was reading. Uh, and I want us all to learn to be sensitive to the leading and the prodding of the Holy Spirit of God. So I hope you'll join us next week. We have services at the Antioch campus at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Uh, services at the uh, Smyrna campus are at 10 a.m. We live stream our services every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. So if you're not able to be here in person, we'd love for you to join us on the live stream. Very quickly before we go today, just a couple of things I want to remind you of. 
Uh, there had originally been a men's event scheduled for this Saturday. That's been canceled. I just wanted you to know if you've registered for that, it's not going to happen this Saturday. They're going to look at that again and try to reschedule an event in the near future. We have our trunk or treat coming up at both campuses at Smyrna. It's going to be on October 21st. And in Antioch, it's going to be on the 28th. If you could help us out with that, please volunteer. Uh, you can go online and do that or do it at the kiosk at either campus in the lobby there. And we have a welcome lunch schedule now for any people that are new to Lakeshore. We've got a lot of new people uh, visiting with us. We, we're so glad to have you coming. Uh, we'd love for you to find out more about our church. And a good way to do that is to register for and attend our welcome lunch on Sunday, November the 5th. At the Smyrna campus, it'll be right after their 10 o'clock service at the Antioch campus. It'll be immediately following the 11 o'clock service. And again, you can register online for that. We want to thank you again for joining us today here at Lakeshore Christian Church as we continue to connect, grow, and serve together.